what is this oppenheimer did i start oh, the wrong movie i wish i what i'm saying is things is about as significant oh it's to the american lexicon as yeah being a canadian movie especially Oh, this, this probably is like Canada's Oppenheimer, would be my guess. Uh, hello, <laughs> welcome to our very first uh, Good Bad What commentary track. Uh, we're off to a great start. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, starting with uh, the first RIP headphones users um, with the, the break-in of this amazing Strick 9 score. Oh, man. And this is this this scene. Every time it makes me laugh because this looks like the basement of of our old house in Greenwood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it, like the stairs look the same. That um, looks like my bedroom back there. <laughs> that's true. You did stay there for a while before Kate and I moved in. <laughs> um, oh man, and then off to a weird start already because I've always thought that the the actor here looks like eric Wareheim, like like in the movie such a surrealist head trip that i'm like is this is this a tim and eric sketch like am i being punked secretly like i still think that <laughs> i went also like the attitude of barry j gillis towards this movie in recent years as we've seen from his comments on our letterboxed uh posts when talking about things he seems to understand sort of the the reception of this movie and he knows that it's weird and nightmarish and he can't quite explain it so i feel a bit more validated knowing that the filmmaker himself is like yeah i don't, I don't even really know what it is oh yeah i think they've been very candid about it and and i know we've talked about it i think when we took way back when we talked about wicked world about how he really has like improved like the enjoyment of the movies may not be as high as things that's that sort of like you know it's hard hard to gauge there but um, you know, but he definitely has improved as a filmmaker in terms of the quality. So, you know, a lesson was learned. And so I, I admire that. Um, and this scene always kind of skews me out a bit because I guess apparently that woman was an actual prostitute that they had hired. Um, this it's is not just surprising. what I heard because um, they were trying to get people back for that uh, that great DVD that uh, uh, Severin slash Intervision put out um, and they mm -hmm. couldn't, couldn't find her. Uh, to, to do any like commentary or anything like that. I mean, she was already wearing a mask, which I'm assuming wasn't an artistic choice. The actress was so embarrassed to be in the movie that she's like, can anything cover my face? Yeah, I'm sure. And there's our first thing. <laughs> and our first dream fake out of the movie, and it won't be our last. There are so many, sometimes multiple within the same sequence. It's like Inception. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it is true. Oh, man. I don't want to get tangential. There was something I watched recently that had like one of those double fake outs. And I was like, and it was like a good movie, but I was like, oh, it's a trope that I don't like. So I was like, what are mm -hmm. you doing and why? Oh, no, it was it was Hugo. It was Martin Scorsese's Hugo. I was just I oh. watched the new 4K release of it um, and, and it had one of those. I was like, oh, really? Mm. Okay. This is uh this is our first of the uh the lighting that cues you that it's dark or that the lights are out. Uh because <laughs> they didn't pay their electricity bill. <laughs> I mean that's that's probably more accurate. I was gonna say they just couldn't afford, you know, proper lighting for the, the uh eight millimeter. I think they shot this on Super Eight. Uh yeah. Yeah. And so but well, and this also is going to get you into, well, I'm going to be quiet here for a second because it's maybe my favorite line of the whole movie. 
that, that was like one of our bonding moments, uh, which were many watching this movie. It's it's like we served together almost uh, watching this for the first time. Well, and I I think it's funny that we're we're watching this and doing a commentary for it. This is my first commentary. I don't I don't know if you've done one before, but I have. Um, no. It's ironic because the first time that we watched this movie, oh, title card number two. Um, same the first one, time that we watched this is the exact same one. So nice they showed it twice. <laughs> um, the first, the first time that we watched this movie in Seattle together, we went into it being like, "Oh, it's going to be a good bad movie. We're going to talk over it and laugh and have a great time." And I don't think that we spoke for the first thirty minutes of the movie because we sat in odd silence. And what it was we were watching. Well, it, it's like we were there. Uh, my wife was like in the other room because it was like one of those mm-hmm. split sort of like living room situations, reading a book. And, you know, I think she was expecting to hear us like laughing and cackling throughout <laughs> it. But we just sat in stunned silence because we slack John what we were going on. We should also note because we always uh, uh, tout Scarecrow video in, in Seattle. Mm-hmm. This is the first thing that we ever rented from there. Uh, mm hmm. What a what a what a <laughs> what an inaugural <laughs> rental! <laughs> they canceled our account immediately afterwards. <laughs> I went to use my gift card recently, and they're like, "Oh, you're eighty. <laughs> oh, you're the things guy." <laughs> <laughs> they have a they have like a mugshot of you behind the counter. Like, do not rent to this man. It's like that scene in The World's End when Simon Pegg comes up, like you've been bought. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's a picture of my face. With uh, Barry J. Gillis's mullet for some reason. <laughs> oh man, this is another sign of a, a good bad movie. Is just uh, shooting footage outside the window of the car and having your credits play. As we've said previously on the podcast, is if your movie is starting with long sequences of cars driving to nowhere in particular, that's a bad 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 sign we're in for a rough time you're gonna have a bad time this this goes yeah. back to uh manos the hands of fate um mm-hmm. like most famously did that because they didn't have the money to do credits the credits were supposed to be over the car and then they didn't have credits so it's just five minutes of footage <laughs> outside the car driving <laughs> so credit to barry jiggles and andrew andrew jordan they got credits over it at least yes yes they did more than than we could say for manos the hand of fate Okay. This always confused me. This whole sequence because like, I, was, I think we we're gonna say the movie. Well, the, yes, but <laughs> that like I don't want to get too far ahead. But it's like they they get dropped off here. Like someone clearly has a car. Like how far mm-hmm. did they drive? And so it almost renders like everything else that happens moot. Oh. Our first Amber Lynn showing. Sorry, <laughs> and, and Johnny Scott somewhere in the void. I don't, I don't know where they're cutting to 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 find Johnny Scott. Well, so I, I have no idea exactly the like the cutting and and what, but uh, clearly, if you can't tell by the, everything about this to people <laughs> listening to this track, that uh, the scenes with Amber Lynn were shot after the fact, after mm-hmm. some financier bought it because they're like, we need somebody in the movie to sell it. But they didn't have enough money to pay her her nude fee, mm-hmm. so that's why she's just reading off a cue card in a garage with a TV over her shoulder in a Radio Shack. Like it's just a bunch. It looks of, like, nothing like a news set. It's no. it's horrible. Like it looks like that scene in um, 
I mean, I know this is going to be movie reference Palooza, and it's a way later movie. Like the scene in the 40 year old virgin where they work at like a circuit city or something like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. And all the cameras, the camera hooks up to like all the TVs in the background. Like it's a lot like that. So they're just yeah. like, whatever the Canadian version of Radio Shack is, <laughs> it's filming this. <laughs> It's it's Ray it's Radio Shack with an E H Radio Shack. Those curtains are plastic blue tarp. I just wanted to point that out because I just noticed that on my last watch. Oh my god, you're right. I had no idea. Oh, Fred. Fred's the best. I'm just gonna Fred's take the claim. He's 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 the best. Is that a shower curtain? I yes, it's either a shower curtain or just a like bed sheet thrown over a rod. Well, it looked like it was connected to it, like like actually like put on the rod, but mm. but like the the material looked like a looked like a shower curtain. Like it didn't look yes. like an actual drape, but. <laughs> well, and we're. We're going to be going hard and fast with all the things that you need to talk about in this movie because so many things happen so quickly, but while also simultaneously nothing is happening in the movie that you just have to mention. Like the recorder in the freezer bit yep. that we're in right now, like, which it becomes clear throughout the movie that like the evil dead is an inspiration for this. Oh, yeah. So it's like this, this had to be their version of finding the, the tape and, and the net chronomicon, but like, but they couldn't think of a way to do this. Like, I ah, just put it in the freezer. Why oh, it's not? in the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> well, not only that, but like they couldn't be bothered to look up Latin phrases or anything that actually sounds cool. Cause the demonic voice on the tape is just going, get your hands off me. And it's just like, is demonic George McFly. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Hey, you get your damn hands off her. Yeah, the, there he's just discussing the plot of Evil Dead. Yeah, absolutely. And just throwing it's in just on the notes. some real stuff like Aleister Crowley and, and things like that. But Yeah, but then Aleister Crowley, he says like it, the book talks about all the people that Aleister Crowley killed before he died. And it's like Aleister Crowley wasn't a murderer. He just talked about weird dark magic stuff. He was just a fat nerd. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's why Ozzy Osbourne wrote a song about him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Crowley. They're both bat nerds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. This is the first beer of several. Gonna... Yeah. I was going to say, this is this is the song that plays when I'm going through my cupboards at 2 a.m. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Well, and it also, we don't know why our characters are here. Because like you said, they get dropped off by a character known only as Goof at some unknown location. So supposedly they've hiked into this cabin. And I I think Doug, who is uh, Eric Wernheim, um, is Barry J. Gillis's brother. Yes. But that, he they, doesn't they seem do to be that. expecting them. And we know that. We know that his wife, who is ill, 
is like having a real time and apparently is feeling like she's gonna die and then these dudes just show up to like drink his beer and hang out and he's talking about party 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 when they walk in but there's no party like the the internal logic of the movie breaks down before the lines even get out oh yeah it doesn't really make any sense whatsoever like you usually there'd be a lead-up scene of like oh we're gonna go visit my my brother uh mm. doug but like there's nothing there why are they here who are they here why are they wanting to party why are they talking about the bestiality network um they're like talking about channels where they don't know where they come from the movie mm-hmm. also we haven't gotten there but like this is supposedly supposed to take place in sacramento that's like the in movie universe it's oh like, yeah it looks where? looks it where this doesn't look like anywhere in california like let alone sacramento um and here's our introduction to the the infamous dr lucas well and i was gonna ask so here's jeffrey dahmer uh is this is, this sort of plays out as if it is a a movie within a movie because i think when we cut back from this scene back to the cabin they're sitting and watching television and they're talking about the bestiality network and all that stuff so it sort of plays like they're watching this on tv but that is like you said dr lucas who we like doesn't come back into the movie until way later but he is a character within the movie not like right in the thing that they're watching so this is like a a side and it, it's so weird how it's framed and it's also like i'm trying to think of the best way to put this because i want to be generous here i think this is probably objectively the best scene in the ring, movie ring. like like from a standpoint of like there's really good gore and makeup and like genuine sense sense of unsettling or there would be a genuine sense of unsettling in the scene if you knew sure. what the fuck was happening <laughs> it's um <laughs> oh yeah this is <laughs> this guy's scary terry <laughs> <laughs> unstrap that arm bitch <laughs> does he have an, he has another line doesn't he he does yeah he's coming up with job well yeah, done yeah job well bitch. done bitch <laughs> oh bitch oh bitch <laughs> uh it doesn't <laughs> Ooh, like there's some genuinely good girl stuff here like like oh, I, sure. I, I, I applaud you know a couple like 18 19 20 year old you know canadians making making their homemade movie like i, I applaud this oh yeah um, and and the extra like low fineness makes it unsettling it's kind of like that movie we talked about on our main feed the burning moon uh yeah. which was also put out by intervision um but that movie is more coherent than this one <laughs> that's for <Yeah>. sure <laughs> he's loving it Dahmer's Dahmer loves his job. This this guy loves every scene he's in. That will come back to, to factor later into the movie. But oh he, yeah, he is he is he is having a blast. Yeah, <laughs> just like I'm just happy to be in a movie, regardless of scope or scale. Um, it's also funny because I was just thinking, and cause especially because we just talked about it on the main feed. Um, there's a special feature on this DVD with like testimonials. And one of them is with Toby Hooper. Like they went up to him mm. at a convention and showed him like a bit of things. And I, I bring that up just because like the best of this scene reminds me like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre seems like the clear inspiration for a scene like oh this. yeah like you know um, so it was it just kind of serendipitous and like they they showed a Toby Hooper and he was 
he was generous. He's like, well, yeah, it seems like you guys really got something here, you know, and uh, <laughs> so he just was being polite, but I don't, I'm like, I don't know if they arranged a meeting or if they just like ran to his booth at a horror convention. <laughs> either, either are possible. Either. Yeah. What? I was wrong. I guess we just cut back to Fred just looking at a painting. So like at the, that whole aside, is just a jump cut to a weird movie within a movie, which might, it doesn't even factor into what happens later on in the movie when Dr. Lucas shows up. No, it's, it's actually, again, if you want to be generous, which seems to be the word that I'm going to latch onto for the, the rest of this commentary, um, is that it does like when he shows up, it factors into the, a story if you want to call it that but mm. like has nothing to do with the scene we just witnessed whatsoever yep. and then here's the the biggest certified banger of the uh of the oh movie. yeah tailspin take <laughs> a drink take a drink well i'll just have water but i will take a drink i have um, this on vinyl this probably wouldn't surprise anybody um but and we missed the line he was talking to fred um who's looking at that painting on the wall up there, which is a missing Salvador Dali painting. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and we learn a bit about Doug, who is apparently the most interesting, uh, but non interesting man in the world. Who's getting missing Salvador Dali paintings and paintings given to him personally from the queen of England, um, who apparently has videodrome uh installed in in his house uh, has like demonic things bursting out of his wife um and none of this has an explanation but we all we just get sort of inklings of like there's strange things afoot none of it's actually gonna like tie in or, or be like narratively satisfying in its explanation but it's here like we got it yeah no it's it's so strange especially like when you especially if we hadn't we like we've met Doug at this point, mm. so like we already kind of know, but you know, you would think, Oh man, this guy sounds like so fascinating. I wonder what he's gonna bring when he shows up in the movie, and then it's just like he's kind of a dick, <laughs> like, we'll yeah. It, but well, and he has, I mean, I know we've already met him, but I'm not gonna count that because his intro, like his introduction when he comes into this scene, is maybe the best intro for any character, like ever, uh, in cinematic history. Um, uh, I did. We missed a line there from Fred, who's looking at the art, and he says, uh, uh, "Your your brother sure has some strange art, if you know what I mean." And it's like, "Why? Well, that's not even a metaphor. <laughs> just it just he has strange art. <laughs> just nothing to misinterpret." Do you want a beer? Yeah, I want a beer. Uh, yep. <laughs> oh, hi, doggy. Oh. <laughs> this this is also one of my favorite gags in the movie which is totally on accident because he's like yeah come up here and the dog will jump up but goes to the opposite side of the couch to where they have to pan the camera to reveal <laughs> it, it. expected what it just, like well we gotta get the dog in the shot oh we gotta we get, get the dog in shot we now. only got one take to do this <laughs> we're running out of this reel this beer tastes like cow shit i don't it's, understand uh... this scene as I don't understand beauty. why watering it down makes it better. Water doesn't add flavor. It just makes it like Bud Light at that point. Like, yeah. And it probably already is like, a, I don't know, whatever Canada's version of Bud Light Molson? is. Molson, yeah. Um, and some good old American tap water. Yeah, okay. Okay, bear. Yeah, good old Sacramento 
tap water. Dog died. <laughs> oh, no, oh, he's, oh. <laughs> no he's, the, he's the best actor in this movie. <laughs> I would love that they would have gotten him to bark to be like the uh, like the dog in Kung Pao where it doesn't oh, yeah. line up. But in but this movie, it'd probably be like not an accident. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, you would just have Barry doing the voice on ADR of just bark. Oh yeah, we, we didn't even bring up the fact like not to go back too far, but he, like the Doctor Lucas scene, like all those are just mouth sounds that mm-hmm. that Barry Gillis and Andrew Jordan are, are making off screen. Oh, which I mean. Yeah, is unsettling. The worst thing is like hearing people chew. So it's like mm-hmm. it, it makes the scene creepy, but uh, but it's definitely mouth sounds <laughs> unquestionably. No, yeah. Almost everything in this movie is uh, eighty yard and post. It's yes. and there are moments in the movie where the onset audio got left in, and you can hear both audio tracks running simultaneously. Um, so you can you'll get like an inkling of what they actually captured on set, and it kind of makes sense why they uh, did an ADR. Because I'm assuming that they just have handheld microphones, and when they shot this in their house, rip headphones users. Um, when they shot this in their house, they just took like a handheld microphone and, and set it on the coffee table and had everybody say their lines, which is just going to sound like dog shit. Like you, you have to have actress mic'd or have a boom mic pointing at somebody to get things actually clearly enunciated. Right. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Brett. <laughs> oh, it's the greatest intro. almost vomits what the fuck (laughs) he was expecting them apparently do dorks bring any food like (laughs) ah i guess oh we're about to see the best cinematic sandwich oh yeah Also, yeah, you can see that there's moments where they don't have any coverage, and so then they, they'll just, like, when in doubt, cut to Fred. And it's always Fred just looking off camera, uh, disinterested in what's going on. <laughs> Fred's such a good sport. He really I, is. <laughs> he's along for the ride. All right, that 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 is a bread sandwich. Yes, there's there's nothing in between. That is that is a bread sandwich. Which apparently that's a thing. There are people who will like soak a piece of bread in like milk or something, and then put that between two pieces of dry bread. Ooh, I I don't know why. Uh, oh yeah, there's one of our favorite lines. Next time you come with me, you're staying home. <laughs> Which what? Uh-huh. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Oh, that's I'm st- sorry. I'm hung up on that 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 bread thing. Like that mm. that is that is the the honkiest white person shit that I have like <laughs> ever heard. Like that that's that's like Allison Williams character in Get Out, which has got like the Fruit Loops in a different bowl with the mm-hmm. the milk. Like it reminds me of that. That's like nails on chalkboard. That's terrible. And then 
Is this where they cut? (laughs) 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 This is just the gassiest man. Like... Did they cut to Fred giving him like an approving nod? Like, yeah, dude. <laughs> He's just like shit his pants in front of him. <laughs> I mean, his wife's the one having the medical problems, but I think Doug needs to get checked. <laughs> he needs to go to a hospital. <laughs> I mean, this is this is pre the the fly sandwich that they they put in there, which <laughs> which is like the first of many. Like, this is almost like a jackass precursor. Like for a while, it's like they're just just goofing mm. on one another. It's so like so weird well and it's it's the movie itself has like a ton of filler and there's long scenes of people just kind of moseying around and looking through things and shots that take far too long to get through which is funny because the movie's 80 minutes long so they still didn't get it to a full 90 minute feature despite adding as much time as possible uh but it's just one of those things where it's a it's a it leads to nowhere no, yeah, it doesn't lead anywhere. Like it, it, these scenes are kind of funny because the dialogue is so odd and their dynamic right. is so like strange. But we'll we'll see in a little while where there's scenes of just nothing. Like oh yeah, you know, and, and we'll 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 describe it when it gets there. Of like that that probably where our biggest confusion came into play is that like midsection of the movie where it's just right. like, what are we even doing? Oh no, Liza Minnelli's in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, real Lucille two energy. <laughs> Susan's sick. And this this thing, this re- reject xenomorph is popping out of her. Ah, oh, she's sick, man. She's not gonna- feeling well. <laughs> They're just sitting there watching this happen. Come back with me and I'll tell you all about it. I'll tell you all about it. It's like they're so nonchalant about the whole thing. Like, if if, if I had witnessed that, that'd be the most horrifying thing that I've oh, yeah. seen in my entire life. And I would be disheartened and gutted of that happening to, like, my significant other. And it's like, yeah. nah, just keep a little, little ketchup bottle there. <laughs> yeah see this is when um the dog committed suicide because they told her what movie it was in oh uh, the dog had standards <laughs> he, he did do do high standards he actually had a sag after a card they couldn't pay his fees <laughs> See, like this is all nonsense. It's this is this is like I mean this is pre Wikipedia, but this is basically just like a Wikipedia entry that they're entry about yeah about about Night of the Living Dead. And it's literally just because like we can show Night of the Living Dead on the TV behind you because it's in you know the public domain. So we need to come up with some excuse for you to be talking about it, but it doesn't make sense. No. What's that got to do? To do.
you needed all that you had. They needed money, but we also have like painting from Salvador Dali and yeah. Uh... Yeah, Doctor Lucas is mentioned. <laughs> Fred's just nodding. Just Fred doesn't give a shit that his wife just died like five <laughs> minutes ago. Oh, <laughs> this. This is the USS Indianapolis speech of the uh, things. You beat me to it. That is exactly what I was <laughs> going to say. <laughs> Barry Diggillis and Robert Shaw, like total, total equals. Oh, yeah. 350 men go in the water. Things in the water. We were, we were just joking before we started recording. Because we were uh-huh. talking about the taking of Pelham 123. And I mentioned now in the Tony Scott version that... Uh, Travolta's in the uh, Robert Shaw role and like we were kind of joking like oh yeah totally comparable but like compared to Barry J like oh <laughs> Travolta <laughs> easy I don't know I don't know but easily <laughs> <laughs> you know this scene would probably work and have a lot of emotional weight if there wasn't a pube stuck in the upper right part of the gate yeah, the entire scene. And granted, I'm not going to. And allegedly, it's just a hair. Probably not a pube. It's a pube. Well, <laughs> it's easy to call it a pube, but we're gonna. Yeah. But either way, like, <clears throat> that's such a common staple, though, especially watching these beautiful, like, 4K remastered. Oh yeah. Giallos from Vinegar Syndrome, and then just every once in a while, it's just hair flickering, just little in the frame, hair, stuck yeah. in the gate. You're just like, well. Okay, not even. Not even a little bit of charm. Not even extra p- pixels can, uh, can take mm-hmm. that out. <laughs> well, and it's one of the things that I find charming about a movie like Things versus you know movies of this ilk that were done in the early 2000s that were all done on digital like they shot this on film like they had to work to get it developed and and there there was an amount of effort that went into this uh, that you have to respect. Yeah, absolutely. Another one of our favorite lines. <laughs> We're trying to ease, <laughs> ease the tension. tension. Doug's got a point. This really wasn't appropriate to tell. A... <laughs> he does have a point. However, this is the most upset we've seen Doug thus far over the death of his wife. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's more mad at the story. <laughs> Barry Diggles just tell uh or Don. Don is Barry Diggles' character. Don just tells the story every Thanksgiving. So Doug's just like <laughs> stop. Yeah, I no. know, I know. He eats the torsos. We get it, Don. <laughs> the phone's out, can't do nothing. Was that established at all? No. Okay. I, and that was one of the things I wrote down was like the, the phone's just out because they didn't pay the phone bill. There's nothing has happened. But that's one of the things about the threat in the movie. So they're like trapped in the house with these things and they're like, well, we can't go out in the woods because like there's bears. So like they're, they're not willing to go outside and chance running into a bear to escape the things, which immediately undercuts the threat of the monster in your movie. It's just like, I'd rather hang out in the kitchen. And they're also, they've just been sitting in the kitchen, having a casual chat. We have no indication that they're in any danger. No, whatsoever. And this is the first they even mentioned, like, Susan's body, which is another one of my favorite lines. I never thought I'd have to live. 
with the with dead. The dead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they they don't they seem completely nonplussed by what is happening. Yeah, fuck, give me a beer. This is this mm-hmm. is beer number four, I believe. Um, probably four for Don and Fred. Maybe two for Doug. But and from the way that this movie runs i think that the actors literally are like four beers deep at this point i I don't like you know most professional movies that you watch like they're it's apple juice it's you know it's it's not actual beer because you have to fucking act and do your job right this is a you know little movie they shot at Mm -hmm. grandma's house like it's it's they're getting hammered like there's no way they're not getting hammered no (laughs) And this is where shit gets even weirder. <laughs> the, the room tone. He's just sitting in a bass amp uh, at a club. Um, but they, do you think they mentioned Tracy Lords because Amber Lynn is in this? Like, oh, most definitely. I yeah. I just it was, and I don't know enough. I'm like, did they have beef or did they have like a like a competition? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Maybe. I have no idea. I just found it but, funny. Uh, anyway, I interrupted you. What were you going to say? Well, now I need to mention that Fred's gone. Uh, so, bye, Fred. He <laughs> Spontaneous combustion, which I will point out, when you spontaneously combust, you set on fire. Um, that is not what happened to Fred. He just disappeared, and there's blood on Doug's shirt. Fred had to go uh, start a shift at Tim Hortons. And... Um, <laughs> And then they just wrote him out of the movie for that. It, it it takes much longer to make a movie than they anticipated, and so they weren't able to finish it before his shift started. That's why um, he's smiling and nodding in a lot of scenes because he's just like he's like you know being a good sport, but he's like guys, it's like we're, we're getting up up here. I gotta I gotta open like yep. I gotta get the coffee started. Gotta get the donuts going. Like I just say, guys, we gotta wrap this up. Um, but what I was going to mention earlier in the scene with Amber Lynn is she's talking about uh, a witness noticed uh, Don and Fred uh, witness them get murdered and their bodies dumped in the Atlantic Ocean. And that's not the only time that we cut to her having news reports about Don and Fred, which just tears down the reality of the movie that much more. Because now we're being sort of like gaslit to believe that the events of the movie that we're watching aren't happening right or either they're not happening or like that they've already happened like we're like right. you know we're watching the aftermath of it like it, it's it almost tries to go back to that texas chainsaw massacre like almost to the opening text crawl oh like, yeah you know oh these five kids an idyllic summer afternoon drive gone horribly awry you know it's like they're trying to do that but it it's out of order so it just mm-hmm. doesn't <laughs> it's like you needed that shit at the top or the the back of the movie one or the other mm-hmm. um but yeah you're right because they bring them back later in the movie she makes a mention about them about their yeah. status and how that what she just said earlier might have been incorrect um i'm surprised we've gone this far and and, and haven't noted that uh doug's lost his shirt for yep. reasons well, because he got blood on it, and even though we're in his house, he doesn't have another shirt. So <laughs> it's because we're not filming in his house. This is <laughs> plot-wise, this is his house, but this is Grandma's house. This, this is this is Grandma's house. I'm well, see, that's why he was so upset 
when his shirt got blood on it. Because he's like, that's my only shirt. Because then his replacement is like Grandma's Moo Moo or something like that. And he just couldn't have that. It's, it's uh, the guy from uh, Suburban Sasquatch let him borrow his, uh, his, his giant button down. <laughs> um, but we, all, we got a, a short cutaway where he went to the basement door where there was some line paper like stapled up to the door with some crudely crayon written words on it. And they're like, oh, wow, this looks evil. Let's go back to the kitchen. And have whiskey. And tell... Terrible, terrible jokes. jokes. <laughs> Horrible jokes that aren't funny, but very fine, hilarious. They think they're, they're so funny. <laughs> I think this is where we get bleed-in audio. I think so. <laughs> Did you hear that? That wasn't uh, that wasn't scripted. That, that, no, the bleeding audio was happening on the set. <laughs> Barry's like, "Wait, Did you hear that?" Oh man, okay. You could see the light reflecting off his glasses. Yeah. And they must have that temperature cranked on those lights because uh, Doug is having a real bad time. He is very sweaty. <laughs> oh, yes. And I get it. Those lights are hot. They're probably not diffused, I'm going to guess. Um, no. They didn't look diffused. Not in the reflection of his glasses. No. <laughs> but it's it's attempts at artistry. Because, I mean, like clearly they've seen alien they've seen evil dead they are uh, terminator they're trying to do things to copy these movies that they like but another classic line i yeah i had to let the we had oh, there's like the bleed a, through oh, yeah. i had to let the the line finish but it's, it's in our it's our intro of our podcast oh yeah like it's in our theme music we, we had to <laughs> Anyway, sorry, I've cut you off I, twice now. <laughs> Is this toilet flush and blackout? I gotta take a wicked piss. You, if it's yellow, let it mellow. Like it's it's fine. If you had to take, no, a yeah, one, that'd be one thing. But well, and also the house is full of monsters, and he's just like, got to take a leak. Okay, yeah, I gotta pee. You can just go stand out the porch and do that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm well. There's bears outside. That's way too dangerous. Like, I'd rather like right outside. You know, yeah, they're like cut to the front porch. It's just banging on the door. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what part of Sacramento they're in where there's there's just roaming gangs of bloodthirsty bears. This sounds like my uh, sounds like where I live. Like most of the time, when I get like because I have a ring camera, and so like they send you like the neighborhood watch updates, mm-hmm. and ninety percent of the neighborhood watch updates are bear in backyard. Really? Someone's ring camera caught. Yeah. I mean, most of the houses are out, like, out of sticks, you know, in, like, Tanner, right. outside of North Bend. So it's, like, you know, like, literally, it's, like, package thief or bear in guard. <laughs> and those are, like... Or same same thing. It's a package thief that <laughs> is a bear. Packages. Bear's, like, I really want your copy of Impulse or whatever yeah. <laughs> is coming this week. Like, stealing fish. Bear's got a man cave <laughs> well and here here's our introduction to the things 
Um, kind of. I mean, we, we got like the first hint at the Susan. very beginning. Yeah, and the one uh, Susan. But here it is, like in in all of its glory, confronting our heroes for the first time in the movie, and it, it's an immobile puppet that is very easily hacked to death on the stove. Uh, and then, the, and that's the end of it. Oh, no, this one's still alive. Oh, oh. Which I'll I'll give, I I guess, credence and kudos to the fact that they made the things. Oh. And that they are creature designed to an extent. They did the best with what they had and what they know. Mm -hmm. Which was not much, but they did, but they did their best. (laughs) Like... Right, and we can't put the bar too high. Like, just because you watch Jim Cameron films doesn't mean that you can grab a camera and make a Jim Cameron film. No. I've seen movies with higher budgets that are worse and lazier than, than what they're doing here. So, you know, it's... it's they, they made a full puppet. It doesn't articulate, but they made a puppet. And, it like, if you could actually see it, if the picture was clear, if they actually made it move... Might have been pretty cool. Like, conceptually, right. it is. Uh, but, you know, it just, it largely just sits there and occasionally its mouth moves and, and, and yeah. hisses. <laughs> um, Doug is still shirtless. Just wanted to point that out. Um, I think it stays that way for a while. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, this part of the movie, though, I I made a couple of quick notes. One of my notes is that this score in this part of the movie, um, I actually really dig. Like, I think it's it's low and industrial, and I think it it fits what it is that they're going for, and in, in terms of just like this little sense of dread that's going on, even though not much is going on, you still get the mood. Um, so I was like, hey, they did a good thing. I like it too. I this this the way it's shot, the way it's lit, and this music reminds me of Irreversible, <laughs> like the beginning oh, of shit. Irreversible, and it's just as upsetting. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say they're in the rectum and <laughs> kind of. I mean, it reminds me that like uh, you know, Vincent Cassell's yeah. going door to door looking for the things. <laughs> <laughs> He's what they're afraid of outside. That's why we can't go out there. Vincent Cassell's gonna fucking <laughs> smash our head in. <laughs> Uh, except it's the other guy who does the, the head smashing. Oh, see, it's been a minute since I've seen Irreversible. I bought the 4K and it's still just sitting on my shelf like one of I these days the, I'll, I'll do it. But oh, I watched man. the straight cut of it when I got the, the 4K. Um, mm. So I, I've seen it more recently. But uh, but yeah, it is the other guy who does the head smashing. Yeah, that's the one one reason that I bought the 4K was because of the straight cut because it just sounds interesting as you can tell there isn't much going on here in things so we're talking about irreversible for a minute this is this is the part of the movie where i think our brains the first time collectively started to melt because yeah because it's just like what is happening and even seeing it i don't know how many times i've seen this movie at this point but this this is where the movie does kind of stop dead in its tracks a bit. Like I agree with you, the score bit is pretty good, mm-hmm. um, but this whole sequence goes on for a long time. It gets really samey. They're doing like gags here for some mm-hmm. reason. Like, uh, did I miss Doug like pretending to like suffocate, or is that coming up shortly? No, it's coming up shortly. Yeah, here it is. 
he's doing it now, which I do want to point out, Doug, your wife died like an hour ago. And yeah, and he's doing like doing this shit. That's, and that's what I mean. Like between this and like him looking like Eric Warham, like I felt like we were being punked. Like I really just can't stress that enough. Well, and in in my head canon, I think that this is the part of the movie where they realize that they bit off more than they could chew. Hey, Doug's finally getting a shirt. Hey, everybody. good for you. Um, and they they realize that it's now you know two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, and they're still filming this thing. And I think Doug wants to go to bed because pretty soon here in some of these shots, it looks like Doug is intentionally fucking up the scene. Like uh, like he's definitely hamming it up more than he needs to, and I think it's because he's tired and doesn't want to do it anymore. Doug and the the guy's name is Doug Bunston. Um, that's true i think it's specifically th well this doesn't make any sense i don't know why he attacks him in this scene um, i think this is a very real moment if, if if your theory is to to be believed of him like intentionally fucking up the scene and wanting to go home then barry J. Gillis might have just been supremely upset with him <laughs> i it's <laughs> really very possible there <laughs> is a shot here where doug uh is like cheesing to the camera a little bit or hamming it up and you can see that Barry's face is pretty stern of just like dude come on like just, like we're trying to make a movie and you're fucking it up kind of thing and I think it's here when they see cause yeah they see the thing on the toilet and neither of them are scared uh, and Doug starts laughing and making weird sounds and if you watch Barry's face he's not amused by Doug's antics <laughs> yeah i think that look of disgust and he just leaves real. yeah yeah and then doug walks off set too yeah i think he, he just doesn't want to make the movie anymore and it's pretty soon here where doug disappears for a minute i mean yeah you could say what you want about like his films like but the guy enjoys making them very ridiculous. Oh, sure. Like, the dude's a professional, even if the movies maybe don't appear as such, but, like, he's just turning the light on and off there. Like, hey, yeah. Like. Which is, like, if you're trying, like, they're they're making a, you know, Evil Dead movie where, like, they're trapped in a house with these monsters and they're like, goofing off and doing uh, like three stooges gags of like closing the door on his face and it hurt his nose and him like clicking the light on off and on his face is they at this point, at least in the movie don't understand that the movie that they're making, but this is all the footage that they shot. So then this is just what we end up with. Well, it did just dawn upon me and I can't believe it took me a dozen, probably more viewings of this movie to really let that sink in is it's very clear from the beginning and the tape and the evil dead are they going for Evil Dead 2 level shtick in this scene and then just missing the mark, like, horribly? Because uh, 2 is funnier. 2 is intentionally oh, yeah. funnier than, than the first Probably one, the so. greatest horror comedy ever. Agreed, 100%. So that's what I'm wondering is, like, is that what they were going for? And then, but it just comes across as, like, you know, amateurish, like, like the whole thing. Um, I don't know, but it, it's food for thought, I guess. I mean, it's 
it's different to talk about their intentions and then what they accomplish. Cause I mean, like they try to make a, they're trying to make a horror movie too, but there's really no horror in it. Cause they, there's no scenes of, I, I mean, there's a couple of scenes of like the things actually attacking them, but there's never a, a moment in the movie where they feel like a real threat. Uh, and they do most of their carnage off screen. So it, it's hard to actually like feel scared or any real tension at any moment in the movie. Uh, the same thing with the gags, the gags aren't set up. I mean, there's just like this low droning score playing while they're walking around and like looking at each other and like cheesing at each other and like hamming it up. But that's not a gag for the audience. Like we're not clued into what's going on. No, I don't know. But, but yeah, I agree. I just think if there's no real setup and payoff to the horror and that's the accomplishment, then there's, again, I don't know what their intention were, but, um, they very clearly could have think thought they were doing gags, but there's no setup and payoff because they didn't know how to do it. Right. So uh, they didn't write it. Like, it's, it's very obvious that 90% of this movie, probably 99% of this movie is unscripted. I'm going to say that the, the only things that are written are the cue cards that Amber Lynn is reading off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that was written. <laughs> very clearly re- reading off of oh, her eyes dart left to right all the time. Yeah. And it's even, Again, IMDb trivia. Oh, one of the most famous shots in the movie. Rip headphones users. And Doug. <laughs> See, not a bad little effect there. It, no. You know, not bad. Well, and it it also sort of works in a horror movie to be like, oh, I'll save you and fuck up and kill the person that you're with. Like, that sucks. And, and you know, that's happened in uh i'm <laughs> he's also really mean to doug where he's like oh my god i can't believe i hurt all oh, you fat piece of shit <laughs> many times like ah uh, he's like i need to save you bob but you're so heavy oh, oh god you fucking fat ass oh uh tailspin uh, drink yeah there we go um but then this in itself is is like a decent setup for what could be a thrilling scene of Doug is is uh, injured, he's unconscious and on the ground, and uh, Don has to get the the uh, fuse replaced so that they can the the lights on back in the house, and so then he has to fend off the things and while getting it done. But we see that he stabs one of them, uh, and it's full of like. Uh, chocolate muffin batter. Oh, and the Grimace milkshake. Yeah, or the Grimace, well, the Grimace milkshake. Um, but he kills that one, and then he just goes about like reading the instructions on the, on the inside panels of these fuses. And it's like you had an opportunity to make this a thrilling scene of things trying to attack him. He's keeping them at bay while trying to get the fuse in there and and trying to keep Doug covered, and they just don't do any of that. No, no, <laughs> they don't. Yeah, just reading the panel. Meanwhile, Doug's bleeding out like Tim Roth yeah. in Reservoir Dogs, uh, <laughs> which is Predate's Reservoir Dogs. Is, is Tim oh. you know with things? Oh, I'm gonna say I don't. I mean, I can't say for certain, but I'm gonna say 99 percent yes. Quentin Tarantino loves things. If this, if there was a print of this, it would play at the New Beverly, I bet. Ooh. <laughs> but there's not, unfortunately. There's not. 
because it was edited to tape and yep that's what we got yeah he even has a line like good thing those creatures are sleeping over there <laughs> stop playing with yeah. your head <laughs> see see it's like is that supposed to be funny i i i don't i don't know I'm, it is unintentionally or like i it is entertaining. Like I'm laughing at yeah. it, but I don't. I'm not laughing at it because it's an effective, delivered, comedic line. I'm laughing at it because it's like these. It's so absurd in the situation, and yeah, the line reading is odd, and all of it's odd. So like it's funny, but I don't know if that it was the intention or not. No. Well, and okay. Well, there's another thing. They just smashes. <laughs> Jesus You hit him in the head That's like the fourth Fourth joke about Him being heavy uh, He's not done he keeps going, going. There's even more I know he does I mean, they've been getting hammered this whole movie, so... Yes. Again, we don't have coverage. We gotta cut to something. Yeah. And this is the first time that we see the things actually do something. Outside of being, like, a chest burster. Like, we got that one thing... But yeah, this is the first time we've actually done something. And there's a line taken straight from Evil Dead 2. Yeah. And I... And speaking of things that they did write for this movie I think Mr. Careful was probably the best needle drop that they could have had for this scene it really sets the mood for what's going on it's it's unhinged the music choice is so unhinged something I little, little something I learned at camp what kind of camp what camp was this Barry <laughs> If anyone ever gets their hand bitten in half by a monster, roll up a magazine and and just hold it to his stump. Gets it. Gets it every time. Gets it right up. <laughs> Blood is dripping like maple syrup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this mm. takes place in Sacramento? In Sacra- yeah. All, you know, this, all that maple syrup that they produce in Sacramento. Yeah. The Sacramento part of Toronto? Yeah, that's what they're known, of, known for. <laughs> Oh yeah, here we go. There's now we're having practical and ADR audio mixed. I guess he had a bad day. I don't know what to do. You know what? I appreciate the honesty. That's refreshing yeah. for someone to be like <laughs> you know, instead of people trying to like explain it or logic it out, you're like, I just had a bad day. I don't know what to do. <sighs> guess we're stuck. <laughs> Goodbye, Doug. Thanks for stopping by. At your own house. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, and Doug doesn't show back up. <laughs> no, he doesn't. This is it. This is it. This is done. Oh, yeah, you can get one more. Yeah. Wait insult oh, in there. Oh, Doug, please. Yeah, I love you. You're not going. Oh, you sack of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in this closet so they don't eat you. I mean, that, to me, I'm like, that's exactly where they would eat him. Yeah. Sit, sitting there, sitting meal there. Well, and here we get what they promised on the box. We get, well, not quite what they promised on the box. The drill bit is not nearly as impressive or phallic. Uh, no. But we, we get a drill. We got the drill. We got the uh, stock Casio keyboard music on mm-hmm. the soundtrack. That's let's do it. Ah, <laughs> uh, you said you have this on vinyl. I do have it on vinyl. Yeah, this would be incredible to toss this on at like a Halloween party with zero context. Oh, 100 percent. When I when next time I have a Halloween party, which will probably be in at least two years from now. Um, yeah, 100 percent going to. And we've been doing a bunch of like decluttering, so I just have a bunch of like record sitting. So I have my things one, and then I have all, well, as I say, all eight Friday the Thirteenth ones mm-hmm, in a stack. Mm-hmm. But that's not true because I don't have part five. It's the one I'm missing. Oh, um, but Waxwork did reprint it, so I'm like, I need to need to get my hands on that at some point. Oh, so I'm sure that's going for like a premium price. No, it's like they can get it for it's normal right now. Um, oh okay because it's it's they re, like i said they reprinted it but um, oh they, they said they didn't reprint it oh no they did they did it's hard for me to hear over barry j gillis throwing up the half a can of black beans that he ate today yeah it's one of those things they've been drinking so much that you're like hmm, this is actually <laughs> oh, that's, that's cirrhosis <laughs> like it's it's because it's not like over the top film vomit, you know. So it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things where like it calls into question where you're like, I'm not convinced that that wasn't real. I wish it was like Team America role police, and he's just like, just, just playing it praying. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that that's what this movie is honestly missing is that it's it plays it too straight. So neither the comedy nor their horror hit, but if they would have gone, if they would have gone Evil Dead 2 and tried to get geysers of blood and stuff like that spraying, I think a lot more of this movie would have worked. Maybe, but would it have been as memorable though? I don't know. It's so unique though. Like, I agree with what you're saying, but I do think there's a bunch of other SOV movies that do exactly what you're talking about. Not necessarily that Evil Dead 2, but like The Burning Moon is super gory Mm -hmm. and it's really well done. There's a movie called Slaughter Day that Visual Vengeance just put out uh, that I watched a couple months ago um, that is like also really gory and gruesome and pretty well done. But like none of them are things. Things is an elite all its own. So I I agree with you. I think the movie probably would have worked better for people's enjoyment mm. who were running into the video store, but I, I don't know. I think it's, it's one of a kind. Oh, it is. There's nothing like things for better or worse before. Yeah. Before or since for better or worse. No. 
oh, that was actually like kind of an effective like dream fake out moment. Mm-hmm. Well, and here's we, we keep looking back at these paintings. So there's some ongoing insinuation that there's something mysterious about the paintings, but I think that that's the last time that we see them for the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's true. Do we see uh, them at the very end? I feel like we did, but I could be wrong. Uh, you know, we we might. Uh, this is where they brought uh, Johan Johan Johansson's uh, Mandy score. Oh, R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> and then Barry Jiggles just uh, takes a nap. Yep, uh, that was just be- that was just behind the scenes footage. <laughs> they just spliced it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. That was the end of that scene. Um, and Amber's looking just to the left of the camera. There. <laughs> yep. Okay. Don't happen. Okay, so the person who saw Dawn and Fred get murdered earlier has been declared psychologically insane, and so then the search is back on for Dawn and, and Fred. And speaking of Fred... Fred's back! Hey! With with a chainsaw. Uh, yeah, well, he got off his shift at Tim Hortons, and <laughs> now he's back with a vengeance. They were filming that long that... Uh... <laughs> He did his eight-hour shift and came back. I'd like to think they shot this in real time. <laughs> like Birdman oh, did. yeah. <laughs> and they made multiple puppets of these things, too. Like it Because they get torn up, and they get torn up oh, in yeah. different ways. One of them gets the Grimace milkshake out of them. That one just turns <laughs> into paper mache. Um, like... <laughs> Rip headphones users. <laughs> it's so loud. Uh, the the audio, man. I mean, I know you're making a joke every time, and it's so funny, but that's oh, okay. So It's one of the best, one of the other, another favorite line of ours. Oh, you, they woke up again, the bastards. <laughs> also, like, everything that they have is electric, too. It's all just extension cords everywhere. They couldn't get, like, a gas-powered one. Grandma didn't let them run a gas-powered one in their house, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you can film your movie in here. <laughs> you can't have any As gas spray blood all over it. Yeah. Oh, hi, Amber. They were surprised that they were in a manhunt, and they checked into a hotel in Dallas. Uh. Well, that um. That kills all the tension for the rest of uh, this movie. Yeah, but it it also doesn't. But it doesn't add up. Make, 
it doesn't add up because uh, spoiler Fred doesn't make it so <laughs> oh I can't wait till we get to Fred's end here though it's it's oh yeah it's something Oh, it's something. And it's one of like five effective things in the movie. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's an effective effect, and he's also the character we've cared about the most. So oh, it's, yeah. It's like, oh, Fred. <laughs> I think Fred is easily the best character. He just shows up and adds a little levity and fucks off for a bit and comes back. And he kills the most things out of everyone by far. He is the most effective character in the movie, un- unquestionably. Especially because Barry does this shit, where he's like, get out, Fred, shuts him in with the things. <laughs> you, you got oh, this, I would good. get out, but you locked me in. See, and he isn't even concerned with attacking this thing that's in the hallway. That's like he accidentally stepped on, like it was a cat. He's just like, "Oh, there's another one." It's a stick of dynamite. <laughs> oh shit! Here's our hero, everyone. Hearing his his good friend scream for help, and he just kind of just hangs out. It's too bad I cut my hair this summer because I could have gone as Barry J. Gillis for oh shit, just cut cut it in a mullet, shave everything but the stash. Yeah, could have made it work. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Here's another, you can hear the set audio. Yeah. I'm also fairly convinced that's not Fred's actual voice in doing the ADR. Oh. I mean, it could be. But it, it could just, be. It, it's a little too high pitch shrill yeah like they're trying to mimic him but not doing it well um well it also sounds like somebody who's who's doing a screaming voice but they they're not actually screaming so like if i were to be pretending to be screaming i would do it up here in a higher register but like i'm not talking any louder than i normally am no, like it might sound, be that thing you sound like kermit the frog like oh i'm getting attacked behind the door <laughs> oh come on don Just moseys in. Over here and over there. <laughs> That's a great line. That's a genuinely good line. <laughs> it is, and it, it, make, it makes me wish that they embraced it a bit more throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, oh. And I like this effect. I do too. The little eye jumping around. <laughs> Looks like the little looks like the little eye child from uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Oh yeah. 
Oh. Oh. I also love that news report where it's just like there are residents that are locked inside of their homes. We'll have updates on the hour, like every hour on the hour, and it's just like, what? I hope so because that's not news. <laughs> Who's locked in? Why are they locked in? What's going on? <laughs> Who me? Speaking of Kermit the Frog. It's actually funny speaking of Kermit because the uh, he Doctor Lucas kind of sounds like uh, Doc Hopper in the the Mario oh sure movie. <laughs> frog legs <laughs> He's yeah kind of <laughs> and and clearly reading from a page like you can tell yeah oh blood and guts this guy is having a oh yeah having a blast <laughs> why'd you put your hand in it because he's a madman we're about to be I told that blood all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's blood son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> you're the man that, yeah, see hmm? <laughs> he's just smiling after every single line <laughs> him or Barry says it's kind of amazing <laughs> somebody needs to take that sound clip of Barry going I I I and, and mix it into crazy train <laughs> doo -doo, doo -doo, yeah. Doo -doo. Well, if they're going to do that, then let's take his talk about Aleister Crowley and mix that into Mr. Crowley. Oh, yeah. Bang. Doo -doo -doo. Now I know what I'm going to listen to when I. Right, yeah, yeah, it's Mozzie. <laughs> dot, 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 dot. <laughs> Murder! <laughs> what are those? Oh yeah, this is the piece, this is the piano music that's played all at the high end of the piano. To the Los Angeles Institution. That's uh quite a quite a hike from uh Toronto. Oh wait, this is Sacramento. Oh, that's right. Swish swish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fucking liar. <laughs> you're a liar you're a joker he's so happy to be in a movie <laughs> he really is he really is i gotta look like as we're winding down because most of these actors aside from barry don't have other acting credits oh i'm shocked <laughs> oh and amber lynn of course um uh, also, Bruce Roach has a couple who plays Fred. Oh, okay. This is Doug Munston and Jan W. Paul's uh, Patchel. Patchel? Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. They're only movies. And this is Susan's only movie, too. So. 
Oh, wasn't she in Arrested Development? Susan? Oh, yeah, yes, she's Lucille too. <laughs> Callback. <laughs> um, and I also wanted to point out that uh, Dr. Lucas, when he's being killed, uh, apparently turns into a cartoon cowboy. Um, because that that shout is ridiculous. I can't believe. Like, all right, your motivation is that you're being eaten alive by monsters. <laughs> so that's the best take you can get out of that guy, huh? So the other two movies that Bruce Roach, who plays Fred, uh, the two movies he's in are both new. They're both 2023 movies. Oh shit. Uh, and they are both done by the same director, and they both star Frank Grillo. So, oh, like, there's no. some actual, like, credit to it. One of them has, like, Virginia Madsen, J.K. Simmons, Scott Kahn. What? Yeah. He plays, like, a DA in one of them, and then he plays, like, a uh, uh, attorney general in the other. Oh, wait, no, I looked at the wrong person. Special agent. So. Uh, get that shit on the list. I'm assuming as the good. One day is a lion and uh, little Dixie. Huh. Okay. I know what I'm doing this weekend. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to become a Bruce. Listening Roach to Ozzy. <laughs> well, and then uh, here's yeah. a song that actually sounds like pretty cool, like a little '80s Sith punk. And then it's interrupted by whatever the hell this is. <laughs> this stroll through the, the green woods of Sacramento. Yes, yeah. Well, and we're also seeing uh, the horrible dangers that they didn't want to risk. Uh, and they were willing to uh, hang out with the things inside of the cabin. Because they didn't want to, I don't know, walk through ankle deep water. I guess so. I guess it doesn't. I, they could get pneumonia, so I guess that's dangerous. You don't want to risk that. Look, they had to wait till day because Toby Hooper waited till daylight for Sally to get away at the end of the Texas Chainsaw oh. Massacre. But instead of getting way bloody in the truck with Leatherface doing his little like pirouette, which is just like an absolute work of art, we get help. <laughs> and. And the best character in the movie? Fucking guy. Yeah. Hey, buddy. I I love Canadian Peter Mayhew. <laughs> he does look like Peter Mayhew. Also, you didn't want to like cut this scene down a little bit? Just really show him struggling to get up there? I mean, at this point... They need every second. They need every second. This movie's almost over, and it's just at the seventy-five minute mark. <laughs> so they needed they needed everything they had. Well, and here we have we have actual audio, like on set audio. Yeah, one of the few times where it actually lines up and and is proper. He looks like a cross between Canadian Peter Mayhew and Canadian Harold Ramis. A little bit. And Ed Kemper. (laughs) (laughs) Tailspin. Drink. Uh, Yeah. 
Yep, there's that <laughs> hair just making a cameo. Yep. And it's just, it's like they they were on a bridge that was on a road, and then they're like, "Oh, we got to get out of here." And then now they're just hiking through the wilderness and like having to scramble their way down like cliff faces and stuff. And it's just like where there were bears, supposedly. Oh yeah, there's apparently bears all over the place, but they're hiding or something. Or bears don't come out in the daytime. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're vampire bears. That's why they're so dangerous. <laughs> they have those in Sacramento, in case you didn't know. No, it's snake clouds because you put it there. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Oh god. We get dark again really quickly. Oh yeah. Well either that or they he parked like six miles away. Yes. So. It was their passage of time. It was their uh Hakuna Matata scene walking along the line. Oh. That that transition when we watched this for the first time back in twenty fifteen broke us. Oh. Like broke our like will to live. Uh, as soon as he got that line out of are you sure this wasn't all a dream I we both just started screaming like a man who had just lost his mind because you, you can't do that you don't I still I mean, feel like doing it like it's not the end end of the movie but it's like you don't end your fucking movie with it was all a dream like no. you just don't do it well especially because like nothing really of consequence has happened in this cabin so then for you to be like he's escaped psych we're back at the cabin is just like it's abuse <laughs> you too could be entitled to financial compensation <laughs> for things Title card number three. And there it is. You just experienced things. That and broke whatever we had left. Like, <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> well, and that's honestly the the best way to describe what watching things is. Because it's barely watching a movie. It It is an experience. You have to be fully, like, dunked into it. And I hope that. If you're listening to this, thank you so much for listening to it and being a Patreon subscriber. But if this is your first time watching this, you, you'd never seen things before. I'm sorry, um, but you're going to have to watch it again <laughs> without the commentary. It is something that you do need to sit and just let it sort of wash over you. Yes, you have to sit there and think about it. Like, it, it's... Uh, I mean, you just have to. It's... <clears throat> My life has not been the same ever since. Let's let's put it that way. Like it really is not. <laughs> it really is not. Like, it really was a turning, turning point. 
It was. It was. It's a. It's a watershed film, as they, as they say, for for you and I, and and this podcast, really. Oh yeah. Um. You know, the what category was sort of birthed out of our our love for things, like, you know, I, for me, like two years prior, I went and saw, um, the visitor from nineteen seventy nine, mm. uh, the new restoration for that, and that was sort of like piqued my interest of these like otherworldly things, but things was like. It, it was like going from like pot to heroin, like going from <laughs> visitor to like unfiltered, uncut heroin. It's just like it's an experience, and I, I hope that people have seen have seen this before listening to our commentary. But if you haven't, like you you have to show it to your friends now. This it's like the videotape mm. from the ring, like. You, <laughs> To get follows, you have to pass it on. You have to pass it on, which we have on multiple occasions have have sort of inflicted this upon our our friends and 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 peers. Um, <laughs> In some cases, former friends. Some people have not <laughs> called me back. <laughs> we watched this at my bachelor party, and one of the groomsmen yeah. just didn't make it. You know, so. Uh, <laughs> I'm not so. I'm not saying those two things are mutually exclusive, but it calls a lot of things into question. <laughs> Loyalty being one of them. Yes, exactly. So, just some some people can't handle things. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, the credits are rolling. Do you have any other parting thoughts on on our beloved things? On no, I mean this is. I, I hope if Barry J. Gillis is li- listening because he has commented on both of our letterbox reviews of his movie. Um, please come be on the show. Uh, uh, we love you. I hope that we weren't too harsh uh, on your movie. Um, but this, but like you said, this is a defining um, movie in, in, uh, in our lives. Uh, and I will watch it many more times. I'm sure. Um, Bring Strick Nine with you, because I would like to congratulate that guy on on what he did for your movie as well. Absolutely, Strick Nine reunion when. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I agree, and and I just want to reiterate too, like if if Barry is listening for for you know any reason that uh, a couple <laughs> things. Number one, I mean we we say it too, like movies are hard. Even when we talk about mm-hmm. a bad movie, we like we we're doing it from a place of like. You know, we acknowledge that sort of baseline level that making a movie is hard. So, like, I, I, I yeah, I, I agree. I hope it didn't come across as too dickish because we're we're doing this out of love because we we right. genuinely love this movie. Um, but also, yeah, we would love to we'd love to interview Barry. Like, when his next movie comes out, Tales from the Dead Zone, um, that's got Corey Feldman and and Hitman Hart in it. So, um, looking forward to whenever that comes out. So, very excited. I do want to point out that they thanked Black Sabbath uh, there and their special thanks at the very end, which I agree with that. I would also like to bl- uh, thank Black Sabbath. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> and before we go out, there is a, a post-credit stinger here where uh, Nick Fury comes and recruits uh, Amber Lynn for the Avengers Initiative. <laughs> It certainly does feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> I no, here it is. Uh, but no, while Amber is telling some story that isn't relevant to the movie, I just want to thank everybody again uh, for being a Patreon subscriber. Um, we 
won't tease anything because I don't have the doc in front of me and I don't know what we have up next. Uh, it's your picks up next, right? Yeah, it's for our 100th episode. I, I think I don't remember all the directors, but I remember the movies, so I can get to that information. So you could check that out. It's our 100th episode. So we're talking about movies about the bicentennial because it's the closest right. thing that I could do to <laughs> getting to a centennial. Um, so for the good, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite films of all time, Nashville from 1975, directed by Robert Altman. Uh, then we're going to be talking about the big bus from 1976. Uh, that's the bad. I'm rolling the dice. I haven't seen it. Uh, hopefully it ends up being an Oops All Bangers episode. Uh, but I have seen our what, which is Vigilante Force from, I think, 1978 or 79, uh, which stars Chris Christopherson and uh, Jen Michael Vincent. I mean, sorry, Jan Michael Vincent. Um, <laughs> it's pre-Jen Michael Vincent. Uh, oh. Jan Michael Vincent. It was, it, there's pre-Airwolf and post-Airwolf, and this is pre-Airwolf <laughs> Jan Michael Vincent. So he's actually quite good in the movie, but uh, that'll be our what. Um all movies in which take place around the bicentennial and have violence erupting during it because uh, it, it was the 70s and a time of turmoil and one of our mutually favorite decades of movies to discuss. So I'm looking forward to that. You can catch that on our next main feed, but I just want to reiterate what you said, Chris. Thank you for listening to our first commentary. Please let us know how what you thought of it because uh, we'd love to do more. So uh, please let us know. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Good, The Bad, and The What, and we'll uh, see you all next week. <laughs>